Hello, and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast that's kind of like Teen Wolf, except no one here is actually a teen. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. So what you're telling me is, this is exactly like Teen Wolf. I'm 48, playing a 17-year-old. <laughs> I got really upset because, like I mentioned, I'm watching Sports Night, uh, and Felicity Huffman's character is 33 in that show, and she's running a TV show. Um, I've run into that issue with Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Uh, she is roughly my age and the lead of like a massive tech corporation like coding team, which I guess now that I say it out loud to another human, that's a pretty normal thing. We are old. Uh-huh. People in TV shows are like, yeah, I'm in my 30s. I'm like, wow, you're old. Nope. No, no. Now we're the olds. We're going to talk about werewolves, speaking of old things. <laughs> um, we are werewolves of being third. No, I'm sorry. That was not a metaphor that exists. I'm a were-teen. <laughs> you transform into a teen at night on a full moon? So, yeah, werewolves. Where do they come from? Why do What we is a werewolf, Emily? <laughs> Well, and why did we as a species decide that this is a thing that we need to be concerned about? Webster's Dictionary defines werewolf as... <laughs> the word werewolf comes from the Old English word werewolf. Uh, no, it does come from the Old English word werewolf. W-E-R-W-U-L-F. Warwolf. Werewolf. Werewolf. Have you ever seen the Mystery Science Theater uh, one that they do? The movie's just called Werewolf. I have But of course, not. it's got like a really foreign cast. So every time they say werewolf, it's like, Warwolf. <laughs> That does sound delightful. I actually did not watch any Wolfman media leading up to this um, as much as I wanted to watch what we do in the shadows. Good one. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, where W-E-R was a word for man in Old English and wolf was wolf spelled with a U. Like the old timey way. <laughs> uh, the first mention. Oh, uh, shit. My, my sources. I need to cite my many, many, many sources. Yeah. Goddamn, Emily. Way to try and do a plagiarism. Uh, uh, so uh, I got a lot of stuff from werewolves.com, <laughs> the Encyclopedia Britannica, a thought catalog article uh, titled Eight Surprising Facts and Lore About Werewolves That Will Make You Leave the Lights On, a history.com article called History of the Werewolf Legend, How Stuff Works, um, How Werewolves Work, historicmysteries.com. Their section on werewolf legends and uh, a WordPress blog called Into the Wonder um, called Five Weird Were Creatures. Yep, this sounds correct. All of it. And uh, I have some books. I used a classical mythology book that I used for the Narcissus mini. And I have a book called The Monster Hunter's Guide by someone whose name I don't remember. And uh, I don't know, my brain. I don't know a lot about werewolf. I never. I don't know a lot about, about werewolves, or I didn't previously, but I knew enough. So the first mention of the concept of men who are also wolves was in ancient Mesopotamia in an epic poem called the Epic of Gilgamesh. Oh, dates, I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which dates to around 2100 BCE, long before Lon Chaney had a bunch of fur glued to his face and <laughs> ran around in a flannel shirt, I think. You think it was a flannel shirt, or you think I he think glued... It was I think it predated it. Okay. The movie's really old, right? Like, it didn't even have color. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, the poem itself outlines the story of a king 
aptly named Gilgamesh, uh, who did a bunch of shit that's not really germane to this podcast. Uh, but what is relevant, however, is when Gilgamesh turned down a lady on the grounds that she had turned a past lover into a wolf. Because, and I assume, I didn't read the poem, uh, I assume because past lover had really fucked up. Is this a power that women have just to turn people into wolves? Because that sounds According to the Catholic great. Church in the Middle Ages, yes. <laughs> so a while later, in ancient Greece and Rome, no surprise there, uh, we get something a little closer to the aforementioned hairy face. Because that was just a dude who was a wolf now. Not a dude who turns into a wolf. Gotcha. There is a distinction. Yeah. I should have looked up how to pronounce this Greek word. Uh, it's either Lycaon or Lycaon. My money's on Lycaon. Uh, was an ancient king who was, by all accounts, a bit of a bastard. Uh, to test him and his sons, Zeus visited Pel- Pelagia in the dis- disguise of a laborer. As Zeus wandered throughout the kingdom, signs of the god's divinity started to show. I don't know, like, you know, there'd be like a. I assume, like, he bumps into something on the street and, like, instead of, like, bruising, like, he just starts glowing. Yeah. In that spot. Kind of like it's kind of worn off. There'd be, you know, like scenes in a movie where, like, he catches something really fast or, like, he turns a bunch of water into wine. Zeus (laughs) shit turns into a cloud and fucks some ladies. I think that happened. Crash and rape some ladies. Yeah. I don't think a lot of it was consensual. Anyway. Um, so very, Pop- very little of anything Zeus ever did was consensual. Consensual. Uh, yeah. So he did some of this uh, God stuff and the populace started to worship the stranger because they didn't know he was Zeus. Because one of Zeus's big, I think, turn-ons was <sighs> disguising himself. Yeah. So the Basically, decided- Zeus was a furry. <sighs> you can take that out. Oh, nope. That's staying in. You have to live what you just said. I have uh, no shame. Can you imagine Rip Torn's voice coming out of, like, a <laughs> fox costume? <laughs> <sighs> the king decided to test the divinity of Zeus, which was a great move on his part. And uh, so he and his sons arranged for a banquet to which they invited Zeus. Through a series of events, a child was killed and parts of his body were roasted and parts were boiled, with all parts served up as a meal for the god. Delicious. A furious Zeus overturned the serving table, and he had his vengeance upon Lycaon and his sons. So it was said that either him and his sons were all struck down by lightning bolts, which would be on brand. I was going to say, that sounds like a very Zeus thing to do. Or else it was the sons who were killed while Lycaon fled from the palace and was transformed into a wolf who retained some of his human attributes and was condemned to a life of harassing sheep and other wolf activities. (laughs) Sounds fun, honestly. To be a wolf? To just, yeah, harass sheep as your job? Sure. <laughs> I don't think he had to clock in, like, in that Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> uh, so Greece's other contribution to werewolf lore was the story of Demarcus, an Olympic athlete who is said to have changed his shape into that of a wolf at the festival of Lycaea, uh, only to become a man again after 10 years. So this festival involved human sacrifice to Zeus, plays into the other story. A young boy was killed and then consumed by one of the participants, in this case, by Demarcus. And as a result, Zeus would transform the cannibal into a wolf. So I don't think Zeus wanted this uh, festival. So get a little taste of his own medicine as far as like unconsensual acts in his name go. <laughs> yeah. So they'd, they'd kill a young child, someone would eat him, and then Zeus would be like, oh, fuck you, wolf. And it was seen as, like, kind of a reward. Interesting. 
Um, it should be noted that this story was covered by Pliny the Elder in his magnum opus, The Natural History, which also included such absolute bangers as an entry on cyapods, which were mythological dwarf-like creatures with a single large foot extending from a centered leg, and assertions that Pythagoras, Democritus, and Plato all traveled abroad to learn magic and how surprising it was that anyone accepted their teachings. So... Why do we listen to Plenty the Elder? Because uh, he wrote a lot. And at that point, if you could write. <laughs> See, this is like, this is my thing about Plenty the Elder. It's like, does he really have all this knowledge or was he just like the only one putting things down? So we just accept it. I think it was a little column A, a little column B. <sighs> I mean, his description of a unicorn was almost a perfect description of an Asian rhino. <laughs> um, so in 425 BCE, a Greek historian Herodotus described the Neri, a nomadic tribe of magical men who changed into wolf shapes for several days of the year. The Neri were from uh, Scythia, a land that is now part of Russia. Using wolf skins for warmth would not be outside the realm of possibility for inhabitants of that part of the world, and that is likely the reason Herodotus described their practice as transformation. So basically, Herodotus saw some ye olde ancient Russians putting wolf skins on themselves to keep them warm. And he was like, oh, they're wolf men. Ah, yes. This is the explanation. That seemed to be a lot of perceptions of things back in, you know, the ancient times was someone saw something, didn't really ask any follow-up questions. <laughs> and just assumed some. But I, I think there's definitely an element of these other people are doing this. It's weird because the weird, it's not something we do. And therefore, it must be this whole other thing. Which, I mean, we can still kind of do today on a. I mean, 100%. I yeah. mean, that has not changed. I don't know. Just ask follow up questions, I think, is uh, the long and short of that. So the Greeks and Romans weren't the only ancient culture to have their own werewolf stories. Norse mythology got in on it as well with the saga of the Volsun, Volsungs. Ooh. Uh, which sounds very a, epic. It is. Um, which is about a father and son, Sigmund and Singefolty. Singefoltly. I don't know. Why don't you uh, message that name to me and I'll see. I, there's an FJ in there, so it's Fjolty. Fjolty? Singefolty. One of those two. We'll get there at some point. Um, so while wandering in the woods, the father and son came upon a hut where they found two spellbound wolf pelts. If they put it on, either pelt would turn the men into a wolf. And uh, the person would possess the power... Cunningness, the valor, as the story says, of wolves. But once on, the pelt can only be removed on the 10th day. So basically, it's like the mask. Exactly like the mask. Exactly like the mask. From Actually, Jim Carrey's The Mask. I think Stanley Ipkiss had more control over whether or not the mask was on. I thought like he like couldn't take it. I, you know what? You know how old I was when I saw The Mask? Seven, probably. <laughs> I mean, it's been an, a year since I've watched it, so... I definitely have not seen it since it was, like, released. Um, it may not surprise anybody, but Jim Carrey movies were a huge part of my childhood. <laughs> so, having put on the pelts, Sigmund and Sinfieldy turned into wolves, began wandering around the forest together. Uh, before they split up, they agreed to howl at each other if either of them encountered seven men to fight at a time. I don't know why it's seven men. Uh, oh, I'll, never mind. I'll put my hand down. The Norse are, like, weirdly specific in this kind of stuff. Um, so, the sun... Uh, breaches the agreement and kills 11 men at once by himself. 
Rude. Uh, angered, Sigmund fatally injured his son, but then a raven, the messenger of Odin, bring a healing leaf to place on uh, Sinfjöldi's wound. Uh, after Sinfjöldi became healed from his injury and his father took off the enchanted wolf pelt, uh, they burned the pelts to ashes and freed themselves from the curse of lycanthropy. But that sounds like fun. It sounds like they had a good time. It is very I mean, close. except for the part where he killed his son. But that's not because they were wolves. It's, I assume that's because you're a dick. Oh, this is very close to the plot of Brave, except with wolves instead of bears. And the time has arrived. Early Christianity also uh. has mentions of people being turned into wolves. But as St. Augustine of Hippo, I know, put it in his book, City of God, after recounting a story that is very similar to Pliny the Elders, he said, It is very generally believed that by certain witches' spells, men may be turned into wolves. Ah, uh, it's the witches. Mm-hmm. Uh, these sentiments were echoed in other writings through Europe over the years because people were very, 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 very dumb in between the fall of the Roman Empire and, like, 1950. I would say 1980. <laughs> Do you really want to draw the line there? I don't. People just started being very dumb after the fall of the Roman Empire, and they weren't even very smart at that point. So heads of churches warned against bad men being turned into wolves as punishment, witches were blamed for turning people into animals, and bandits in France used tales of the Lugaru, which is the French word for werewolf, uh, to their advantage by throwing wolf pelts over themselves and scaring the shit out of travelers. That sounds like fun. I would be on board with that. Uh, in 1539, Martin Luther, the Protestant guy who nailed the thing to the church door. He started Lutheranism. Sure. <laughs> that guy. Uh, he used the term beer wolf to describe a hypothetical ruler worse than a tyrant who must be resisted. Personally, I know a couple beer wolves. So now we have a bunch of different variations on a theme. It's kind of fractured into different parts of Europe and other parts of the world, and everyone has their own flavor of werewolf. So that makes this next bit of the episode very complicated. Huzzah! So for the sake of clarity, I present to you the Afternoonified Guide to Being a Werewolf. <laughs> it's about time you provided this service. Chapter 1. How do I become a werewolf? I'm glad you asked. I don't recommend doing this, mostly because it seems like a big-time commitment. And it could get in the way of, you know, spending time with your loved ones. Uh, however, there are several methods you can try if you are really set on being a werewolf. For starters, it was widely believed that werewolves could dress in a special protective wolf skin, though they had to remove it at daybreak and hide it. If their magical pelt was found and taken from them, they became vulnerable. A similar concept appears in the Scottish and Irish lore of the Selkie, who spend their time as seals in the ocean. Uh, Which is basically the Irish and Scottish equivalent of a wolf, yes. Yeah, everyone knows a seal is the wolf of the ocean. But they can change into <laughs> human forms by shedding their pelts. And if they do so, they have to hide them, because if they're found, they can't change back into seals, and they have to live on land with the fishermen who possess their skins. Oh, uh, sulkies are usually hot ladies, too, so... Oh, of mm. course. Um, in some European legend, especially in Scandinavian countries, accidentally drinking from a lycanthropic river or stream would cause you to become a werewolf. This water is said to possess a, quote, lurid sparkle and a faint smell. I just realized this is probably, like, tainted water. Yeah, that would probably make sense. Although, why would it be glittering? A uh, sheen of oil on the top? Some other, like, 
decomposing nonsense. Uh, Other legends say that drinking from any body of water where a wolf pack had recently satisfied their thirst will cause you to change, which really rules out a lot of watering holes if you live in a very wolf-ridden area. Right? And like, how would you know? Like, definitely no wolf has ever drank from this body of water. That's the gamble you have to take. Uh, You could even become a werewolf from drinking water that had collected in the paw print of a wolf. In Germany, Italy, and France, it is said that both men and women could become shapeshifters by sleeping outside and allowing the full moon to shine on their faces for an entire night. That's very specific. It is. (laughs) You just can't, you know, pass out during the midsummer kegger, I guess. Just don't go camping (laughs) during the full moon. So this method was especially effective on Wednesdays and Fridays, apparently. Well, we all know those are the most wolf-like days of the week. Of course, of course. Um, it's a little late for this if you're currently trying to become a werewolf, but in Italy, it was bad luck to be born on the winter solstice or, uh, during December 20th and the 21st. Apparently that's a surefire way to become a shapeshifter. Well, you know, the moon. Oh, yeah. Uh, in many other European countries, it was believed that children born on December 24th were destined to become werewolves when they grew up as punishment for having a birthday that competes with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you fucking kidding me? No. Like, I'm very defensive of my birthday as a day when Emily gets to be special, but I don't think I'm turning you into a werewolf, like, protective of it. Just the idea that Jesus would be that in- that vindictive. <laughs> Jesus doesn't give a shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, in Romania, however, this legend went a step further. Children conceived on Christmas Eve were cursed to become werewolves because their parents were supposed to have sustained or uh, <laughs> abstained from sex during Advent. Of course. And I'm sure everybody did back in those days. Of course. No one's I mean, ever had sex in December. No. No one. Although from all of the, like, January, February birthdays I've been seeing, um... Apparently, July is just a peak time. (laughs) So, in 1555, Bishop Olaus Magnus had a great suggestion in his book about Nordic folklore, or as they probably called it in 1555, Book of Hard Facts. In it, he reported that you could become a werewolf by sharing a mug of specially crafted beer with a known shapeshifter while repeating the words of an ancient spell, which I don't have. I mean, they're kind of close to, like, germ theory. Like, don't share your drinking glass. That's gross. Yeah, I mean, a lot... Some people thought being a werewolf is also hereditary, but... Um, According to Magnus, the werewolves of Livonia held huge gatherings every year in which they would drink a great deal of beer before going out to ravage the countryside. So, werecon, basically. (laughs) That sounds like a real banger. There's probably something called werecon. Oh, 100%. Um, A Polish legend says that if a witch lays a belt of human skin across the threshold of a house in which a marriage is being celebrated, any member of the wedding party that steps over it is immediately transformed into a wolf. The wolves are forced to serve the witch for a year, then regain their human form and return to their lives. So, you could call your witch friends if you really wanted to. But maybe hold off on the wedding until after COVID. Yeah. Don't don't turn into a super spreader werewolf. <laughs> COVID wolf. <laughs> So, in Russia and France, if you didn't go to church, you could officially be cursed with lycanthropy by your local religious leader. Oh, shit. This was also rumored to be the fate of those who failed to attend annual confession. I'm in trouble. If you did this 10 years in a row, you risk spontaneously becoming a werewolf. Uh, no, I'm probably good for a little while. 
In 14th century Normandy, excommunicated persons were believed to turn into werewolves during the Christmas season. Lots of connections to Christmas here. Leading to my absolute favorite Hallmark movie, A Werewolf for Christmas. Uh, so during this time, each sinner was either redeemed or doomed to belong to the devil or and run as a wolf forever. So, you know, make good choices. Uh, in Finland, if you were lucky enough to break the spell, you were still stuck with a wolf's tail for the rest of your life. Just a little reminder. Could be worse, I guess. Some teens are into that these days. <laughs> right? Oh, God, that that was are. like 10 years ago. <laughs> no, I still see it. I don't understand it, but it's there. Uh, so there's a legend that says that a lycanthropic flower grows wild in the Balkan Peninsula with a sickly, death-like scent and white or yellow blooms. If you pick these flowers, you become a wolf. Simply brushing against wolfsbane blossoms, uh, also known as monkshood, if you've done your Harry Pottering, uh, was believed to cause you to shapeshift as well. But it is not a myth that it could potentially be fatal. Ah, see, this is what I was going to ask. Is there actually a reason why you wouldn't want to touch those flowers? Yes. Uh, an unfortunate gardener in the UK died in 2014 from handling these flowers without gloves. Damn. Those yep. are some poisonous fucking flowers. Yep. And if all those methods fail, or you can't get a hold of some of the listed ingredients, uh, you could just piss off the devil or a god, because that usually seems to work. Usually does the trick. Uh, you could also try getting bit by an active werewolf, but that's a more modern mechanic of it, so I'm not sure if that will work. Do you ever, like, run into any research on, like, where that started? No, I couldn't find a specific spot where it started. It might have been, like, a regional variation, mm-hmm. um, just to keep children away from wolves. Wolves. If they get, yeah. I was going to um, say, do you think it, like, came about when, like, vampires started being a thing, and it was, like... Because it, it does feel, like, very vampiric to me. Like, you get bit by a vampire, you turn into a vampire. That's the thing. Like, that also kind of developed, uh, I want to say Bram Stoker had something to do with that one. Because yeah. uh, usually, to be turned into a vampire, there was, like, a bunch of other shit that needed to happen. It wasn't just a bite and then a blood thing. Um, it's almost like the more modern these myths get, we have to, like, pare it down so it's less complicated. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that. it feels like that's something that definitely, like, probably came about in the last couple of centuries, just, like, as popular culture gets its hands on it. Well, and Teen Wolf wouldn't have worked as well if in the first, like, five episodes it was just uh, that sweet little child having to, like, find a paw print and drink it, like, all of that stuff. I can't remember his name. <laughs> Uh, Scott McCall. Oh, that's the name in the actual show. Yes. I I hate that that information lives in my brain. You know, I only watched like one season of Teen Wolf and I am just forever like it's just a thing that I have now. It's like the Vampire Diaries. I didn't finish that fucking show, but I know stuff about it. I was on the fence about whether or not I was going to read this or not. Uh, it's an article, f- an article. It's a very generous term. I was going to say, are you just going to read an article word for word verbatim on the show? No, it's a, a page on werewolves.com called a spell to become a werewolf exclamation point. Should we be putting a disclaimer on this? <laughs> I would like to think that people listening to the show are smart enough not to do this. Don't actually do this. Also, I mean, I guess you said, you already said it was on werewolf.com. They can find it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so we are absolved from responsibility if you become a werewolf. Continue. <laughs> um, so according to this article, which doesn't have an author. Uh, no, of course oh, no, it doesn't. No. no, it is just signed. Uh, the author is someone named Kate. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, Kate. Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know Kate. Sure. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so first, get a mirror and wait until the sun goes down. Then turn on an artificial light that is just bright enough that you can see yourself. Focus on yourself, on all the small little details. Understand and focus on the shape of your nose, your shoulders, all the parts that you most imagine when you imagine yourself being in a wolf's form. But do not, and I repeat, do not focus on becoming a werewolf at this time. Just focus on yourself and accepting yourself and just being you. Focus on the you in the human form and allow yourself to genuinely like the human you. That's nice. And then stop there because that's cool. That's great. Uh, do not think about becoming a wolf or you'll look or what you'll look like as a wolf or anything about transforming into a werewolf. I would say that you have to think about it a little because what are you doing right now? Repeat this for at least three days, preferably five, and even more if you feel as though you need to. Try to do it on the same time each day. Kind of like meditating just helps the brain a little bit if you have a routine. Uh, this part allows you to be positive and accepting, and this creates energies that might make it possible for transformation. For the next part, you won't need the mirror anymore. And although it doesn't matter at what time of day you do it, you should keep doing it at the same time every day. In this part, you're going to do the exact opposite and imagine the exact wolf you want to turn into. Picture as much as you can about the wolf you as possible. Keep doing this for at least one week, preferably two, and more until you can feel the fur, see the claws, etc. If you don't see any results in at least three weeks, this one's probably not going to work. So this is basically just the secret, but for turning into a werewolf. Yes. <laughs> I hope that was helpful for someone. Well, I mean, worst, worst case scenario, you, you become more happy with yourself and yeah, your body. Yeah, you, you learn to accept yourself. And then be disappointed when you're not a wolf, I guess. Well, and that concludes Chapter 1 to the Afternoonified Guide to Being a Werewolf. Chapter 2. Now that I'm a werewolf, what do I do? Uh, eat people. Well, you can start by transforming into a wolf. Uh, I guess that's a good first step, yeah. Weirdly, there's not a lot of information about this. What, what this looks like in traditional folklore, except from sometimes it only happens during the full moon. Like I said, very, like, very wide variety of ways that this could happen. Um, personally, I am partial to the Slavic-inspired transformations from Hemlock Grove, where the human skin basically falls off in chunks to reveal the wolf underneath. Ew. Love it. Ew. So after you transform into a wolf, uh, you can try out some werewolf standards, wreaking havoc on livestock, stealing children from their beds, and terrifying small villages are a good start. In, med in medieval Europe, it was believed that werewolves loved to eat the flesh of recently buried corpses. Sustainable. As you do. Grave to table. It's, <laughs> it's recycling. It's the Ed Gein method. <laughs> So there were numerous reports of wolf attacks and consequent uh, court trials in 16th century France. The Beast of Gévaudan uh, terrorized the general area of the former province of Gévaudan, now called Lozère, in south-central France. I assume south-central France is very different from, like, south-central Los Angeles. <laughs> Generally speaking, yes, I would believe that. Um, from the years 1764 to 1767, an unknown entity killed upwards of 80 men, women, and children in the area. Damn. The creature was described as a giant wolf by the sole survivor of the attacks. Glad there was one survivor to tell this story. Convenient. Mm. Uh, the attacks ceased after several wolves were killed in the area. Uh, some Scandinavian werewolves were old women who possessed poison-coated claws and had the ability to paralyze cattle and children with their gaze. They sound cool. <laughs> uh, Serbian Vuk... I'm going to say Serbian Vukdalaks. Yeah. 
traditionally had the habit of congregating annually in the winter months when they would strip off their wolf skins and hang them from trees. Then they would get a hold of uh, another Vulca werewolf's skin and burn it, thus releasing that person from the curse. <laughs> so Serbian werewolves would have a big convention during the winter where they would release each other from their werewolf curses. Sounds fun. Sounds Very like a good cute. time. And that's the end of chapter two. You just kind of have to feel it, you know? You know, you got to be the werewolf you feel in your heart. That's what's important. No one can tell you how to be a werewolf. The the real werewolf is the Vulcadalax that you meet along the way. What a dumb show we have. Chapter three. I'm not a werewolf, but I think someone I know is. How do I tell? Then how do I get rid of them? First of all, no, they're not. <laughs> if you're not convinced, you could try taking a good hard look at them. It was a common belief among the Serbians and Slavic people of what is now northern Poland, that if a child was born with hair, a birthmark, or a call on their head, they were supposed to possess shape-shifting abilities. Though capable of turning into any animal they wished, it was believed that such people preferred to turn into a wolf. Aren't, like, most babies born with at least a little bit of hair? They have, like, a peach fuzz, but I'm assuming that since this is in like a Slavic area where people are just generally darker, they might have like coarser, darker hair sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I had hair when I was born. I was going to say, I feel like it's not uncommon, at least. Uh, werewolves were said in European folklore to bear telltale physical traits even in their human forms. These included the meeting of both eyebrows at the bridge of the nose, curved <laughs> fingernails, low-set ears, and a, quote, swinging stride. That's kind of judgy. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking about it the other day, and... Um, this might be one of those white Europeans were kind of racist things. No. Yeah. Hate to break it to you. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, one method of identifying a werewolf in its human form was to cut the flesh of the accused under the pretense that fur would be seen within the wound. Gross. Yeah, this kind of goes back to my uh, transformation thing where the skin fell off and there was a wolf underneath. Oh, yes. The, yeah, the idea that you actually have like a wolf body under your human skin uh logistical question if you're a werewolf and you transform by all your skin falling off how do you transform back into a human does all does then your werewolf skin fall off and there's a human skin underneath it's been a couple years since i've watched hemlock grove um but yeah i think the wolf skin comes off gross yeah you're just like an onion of human and (laughs) and wolf meat i hate it okay Or, or a parfait i guess shrek jokes (laughs) They work here. Yes. A Russian superstition recalls a werewolf can be recognized by bristles under the tongue. So you can try looking at that, I guess. The appearance of a werewolf in its animal form varies from culture to culture, as does every fucking other thing in this story. Um, It is most commonly portrayed as being indistinguishable from an ordinary wolf, except the fact that it has no tail. A trait that was often associated with witches in animal form, that you can't grow a tail for some reason. Oh, interesting. Um, They are often larger and retain human eyes and a voice. According to some Swedish accounts, the werewolf could be distinguished from a regular wolf by the fact that it would run on three legs, stretching the fourth one backwards to look like a tail. Oh, (laughs) because it's trying to fool you. Yep. Um, After returning to their human forms, werewolves are usually documented as becoming weak, debilitated, and undergoing painful and nervous depression. Hmm. Yes, this will feed into something that we'll discuss later. Hmm. Um, So if you're, you know, sad and depressed all the time, you might be a werewolf, is what you're saying. Okay. 
Interesting. Continue. Just going to put a pin in that. I'm looking forward to, you know, Jeff Woolworthy's. You might be a werewolf if. (laughs) It's a very topical joke, Emily. This it's from the Blue Dog Collar Comedy Tour. I'll see myself out. (sighs) So werewolves have several described weaknesses. The most common being an aversion to wolfsbane. A plant that supposedly that supposedly sprouted from weeds watered by the drool of uh, Cerberus. 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 I think Cerberus. It's always one that I've like seen written down, but I've never had to say. Yeah, Cerberus. While well, he was when he was brought out of the underworld by Heracles, they also have a notable dislike for certain metals like iron and silver, which are both considered to be representative of the moon. Hmm. Yeah. Unlike vampires, werewolves are not harmed by religious artifacts such as crucifixes and holy water, but exorcisms do sometimes work. Interesting. I would love to see how you exercise a werewolf. Well, you are going to see this year when The Conjuring 3 comes out, because that's the story that they're doing. A werewolf? Yeah, it's a guy in England, question mark, in the 80s, question mark, who thought he was a werewolf and killed a bunch of people. Uh, Okay. I don't talk about that in this because I literally just remembered that it was a thing like five seconds ago, and I'll do a mini on it later. When the movie comes out, maybe they'll pay us for the tie-in. Yeah, there we go. Get some of the ad money. The the best part is it's going to be out on HBO Max the day it comes out in theaters. When does it come out? Is that like coming out soon? Um, it comes out June 4th. Uh, yes, back to w- ways to get rid of the werewolf in your life. Uh, it says here, break up with them. Okay. Oh. That'll do it. That definitely did it in Teen Wolf. I'm positive. <laughs> <laughs> that girl didn't die or anything. It's fine. All right. So a Sicilian belief of Arabic origin... Uh, says that a werewolf can be cured of its ailment by striking it on the forehead or scalp with a knife, which could be construed as murder. Yeah, that's murder. Another belief from the same culture, thanks to Sicily, involves the piercing of the werewolf's hands with nails. Like Jesus. Yeah. I assume they have to be silver or iron. Yeah, I mean, it probably doesn't hurt. Uh, Sometimes less extreme methods were used. (laughs) Less extreme than stabbing someone in the head. Exactly. Uh, in Germany, a werewolf could be cured if one were to address it three times by its Christian, na- Christian name, which is what we in the business call a reverse Beetlejuice. <laughs> I was going to make a Beetlejuice joke. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Oh, it looks like we just have to say it one more time. So, oh, shit. Beetlejuice. No. It's showtime. Uh, so there's also one Danish belief that says scolding a werewolf will cure it. Scolding? Scolding. Like giving it a stern talking to? Yes. Why Why doesn't everyone try that before stabbing them in the head? <laughs> Feels like that'll work out a whole lot better for everybody involved. The people of Denmark just had better stuff to do, I guess. <laughs> uh, conversion to Christianity was also a common method during the medieval oh, period. Of course it was. Uh, devotion to St. Hubert has also been cited as both a cure for and protection against werewolves. Gonna have to get me a medallion, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just a word of caution if you're planning on going werewolf hunting. In the 17th and 18th centuries, the trials in, uh, there were trials in Hungary not only conducted against witches, but also against werewolves. So it is a slippery slope. First they came for the witches. <laughs> then they came for the werewolves. Chapter 4. Are werewolves even real? Hmm. The short answer is no. The long answer is technically no. But there are some <laughs> things that look a hell of a lot like being a werewolf that people in old-timey days might have tried using lycanthropy to explain. I mean, yeah, this generally seems to be a a trend. Like literal clinical lycanthropy, which is a very real mental illness in which a person believes themselves to be an animal. 
And there are rare cases where people have claimed to be werewolves. Hmm, like, the, like the conjuring guy. Like the conjuring guy. I assume. I don't think he was really a werewolf, but I guess we'll find out on June 4th. <laughs> I Was he really a werewolf, Emily? You know, Terry's out. <laughs> um, look, there was a real demon nun who lived underneath a Romanian fucking convent. So not ruling anything out in the James Wan cinematic universe. Thank you. I guess that, like, I am talking about just the Conjuring and Annabelle movies and stuff, but, like, if you bring Insidious into it, it kind of implies that uh, the hot man, Patrick... Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson was reincarnated as the dude from Insidious. No, he would be a reincarnated version of Ed Warren. Of Ed Warren, who I believe was probably, yeah, Ed Warren didn't die until the early 2000s. Yeah, that sounds right. Sure. But maybe Ed Warren's spirit could have... (laughs) Or Insidious takes place in the far future. Kind yeah. of like X-Men, where it was technically the future, but like they didn't explicitly say it was the future. They never gave us a date. It could have been 2049. No, they did. I just remembered in the flashbacks from Insidious 2, they definitely gave dates for when. Damn. Yeah. Never mind. Just plot hold my own theory. So in France, between 1520 and 1630, there were more than 30,000 recorded cases of people who claimed to be or appeared to be werewolves. Mother of God. So there are things aside from a very rare mental illness that could have caused these sightings and confessions. Um, the first one is hypertrichosis. Uh, it is a genetic disorder linked to the X chromosomes that can cause people to grow very thick hair over their faces and bodies. People with this condition can physically resemble werewolves, but it's extremely rare. One variety um, is known to affect only 19 people in one Mexican family. That is some very niche shit. (laughs) And you want to know where I learned that fun fact? Uh, A book. I don't know. Episode of CSI titled Werewolves, where the main murder victim was a man with hypertrichosis. (laughs) Emily, when you finish watching CSI, just the regular CSI, are you going to branch out into the other CSIs? No, because the other CSIs suck. Um, And I'm also on season eight of CSI, where it's all like depressing and like I know Warwick is going to die at the end of it. So I'm kind of taking a hiatus. (laughs) Is Warwick Sorry. the main guy? I don't remember. No, um, that's Grissom. Uh, okay. uh, Warwick is the sole black man on the team. Ah, uh, of course. Of course he's the one to die. Uh-huh. How uh-huh. does he die? Uh, he gets shot by a mob boss. Rude. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Grissom does come back for the funeral, though. Well, that's nice of him. Sorry, spoilers, I guess, but it was also, it came out in 2008, so... What are you doing? Um, all right. So the next one is a fan favorite, ergot poisoning. Uh, yeah. Everything's fucking ergot poisoning. Just to refresh, ergot is a fungus that can infest grains like barley and wheat, which people used to make bread back in the day, and eating it can cause hallucinations. It's also been suggested as the cause of the witch trials in Salem and uh, other cases of mass hysteria. I I don't know. It's a possibility. Like, I'm sure it happened once or twice. Yeah, it was like, I feel like ergot poisoning is definitely could have been a thing and been an explanation for some of this. But I feel like it was not nearly as widespread as people want it to be no. to explain all this stuff. Well, the the idea I had about the witch trials is like that first little bitch that accused, like she might have been tripping out on ergot poisoning. But then... Since it was such a puritanical, like, religious-centered, like, they just took her word for it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then that's usually the problem, is that people believe this shit. Yeah, so we went from believing mentally ill people too much to not believing them enough, and there's got to be a middle ground. No, it's it's one or the other, Emily. You gotta choose. Anyway, so another cause could have been rabies. Yeah. 
Uh, many mammals carry and transmit rabies to like bats. Through, through bite. You leave bats out of this. <laughs> I love bats, but if you see a bat, get a rabies shot. Um, so rabies is fatal without immediate treatment. And That's it's, why you get a rabies shot. <laughs> in its advanced stages, it can cause agitation and hallucinations. A rabies epidemic may have caused wolves and dogs to bite humans who then could have exhibited werewolf-like tendencies, such as, you know, fear of water. And we did an episode on rabies. Go fucking listen to it. Everyone knows what rabies is. Yes. Um, Wolf hybrids might have also been a cause of sightings, not people claiming to be werewolves. I'm not saying, like, a wolf fucked a dude. This is, like, wolf-dog hybrids. Weird-looking dogs. Um, So healthy wolves don't generally attack people without provocation. Most animals don't attack without provocation. No, most animals don't want anything to do with you. Um, But aggressive hybrids of wolves and dogs may have attacked villages, leading to the idea of violent werewolves. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Then there is porphyria, which is a condition most often associated... Or, sorry. The uh, condition associated most with porphyria is vampirism. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds familiar. Um, Porphyria causes sensitivity to light. In some cases, sunlight can cause lesions and blisters. Uh, you can sprout fine hair during healing on those areas. Weird. Body's weird. Yes. And advanced porphyria can also lead to hallucinations. Um, I don't think we've ever talked about porphyria, though. I think I mentioned it once or twice. I'm sure it came up in, like, the vampire episode. I actually don't think it did. Really? Yeah. Huh. Maybe, maybe that'll be a mini someday. Who knows? Porphyria is a disorder caused by an overaccumulation of porphyrin, which helps hemoglobin, the protein that carries oxygen in the blood. So it just fucks your blood up. Um, for reference, there's a season one CSI episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Evelyn, you need to stop. <laughs> uh, and then the last reason. I'm sure there's many others, but the last one I have is collective hysteria, which we have discussed extensively. People were willing to believe some crazy things because they just didn't, I don't know. Yeah, they had nothing better to do. They didn't have more information. It was a whole thing. And I know some of you are yelling at me right now. And yes, werewolf attacks might have also been used to explain away serial killers during a time when serial killing wasn't even a concept that humans could grasp. To which I say... In 1521, Frenchman Pierre Burgot and uh, Michel Verdun allegedly swore allegiance to the devil and claimed to have an ointment that turned them both into wolves. I'm sure that was real. Yeah. After confessing to brutally murdering several children, they were both burned to death at the stake, which was a way of killing werewolves that was believed in France at the time. France actually had a big werewolf problem. Like, I generally think of it as like a German and Slavic problem. Yeah, French French werewolves, I get it. Like, there seems to be a lot of those. Um, in f- 1589, a German man named Peter Stube, also known as the Werewolf of Bedburg, um, claimed to own a belt of wolf skin that allowed him to change into a wolf. His body would bend into a wolf form, his teeth would multiply in his mouth, and he craved human blood. Stube claimed to have killed at least a dozen people over 25 years, though his confessions were made under difficult circumstances after prolonged torture. Difficult circumstances seems to be an understatement, but sure. Uh, The torture included chunks of his flesh being ripped out with heated pinchers and his limbs being crushed with stones. He was decapitated on Halloween in 1589, and his headless body was burned at the stake. There was no real evidence evidence of his crimes other than his confessions, and it seems likely that Stube was mentally ill and delusional. Yeah, that sounds more correct. I mean, I, I see it, though. Like, I feel like we still do this today, not to, like, that same extent, but wanting to believe, like, murderers and other criminals. If we classify them as monsters, then we don't need to think about, like, what human beings are capable of. 
of? Yeah, it's kind of like we have thoroughly disproven the fact that, um, oh, that dumpy shithead from Queens. <sighs> Son of Sam. Son of Sam, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he was from Queens, maybe. Um, but we've, we've thoroughly disproven that, like, he didn't hear a dog telling him to do it. That was just a way for him to, like, try to garner sympathy and be declared legally insane. Uh, but we still believe that because it's way easier to think that this guy was completely nuts. Yeah. He's just a sad, like I said, dumpy shithead. If we don't need to deal with, like, the real problems in society because these are just, you know, crazy people. Yeah, and, like... And you can't fix crazy. No. Well, and that's, like, I think the one time we got it right was with Ed Gein. Like, that man was very sick. He needed help. We did We did the right thing. He was mm-hmm. actually out of his mind. Um... So, uh, Giles Garnier, also known as the werewolf of Dole, no relation to the pineapple, was another 16th century Frenchman whose claim to fame was also a wolf morphing ointment. You know, you, you find them in any wolf ointment shop. If anyone feels like drawing, like, an old-timey, like, medicine bottle that's just Giles Garnier's wolf morphin ointment, <laughs> I'd love to see it. <laughs> I think that's uh, Avalon's cue, if you're listening. <laughs> Um, so according to legend, as a wolf, he viciously killed children and ate them. He, too, was burned to death at the stake, which, again, was the way that the French believed that you could kill a werewolf. I mean, it works for witches. If it works for witches, it works for wolves. It works for witches. It works for heretics. Who might have also been witches. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, in 1603, a man named Jean Grenier, which I'm realizing now sounds a lot like the protagonist of Perfume. Uh, Jean Grenier. Grenier claimed responsibility for a series of murders and disappearances, saying that he had a wolf. Uh, nope, saying that he had a skin that let him become a wolf. A court determined that Grenier was insane and confined him to a monastery. Oh. So, in summation, werewolves aren't real, but mental illness and lying is. We could end every episode with that. <laughs> uh. Chapter 5 of the Afternoonified Guide to Being a Werewolf. Do other parts of the world outside Europe have werewolves? And yes, they do. South America and Mexico both have their own very specific brand of werewolf, and the indigenous tribes of the United States and Canada also have their own wolf stories that vary from region to region. Wolves were very important in Native American and uh, indigenous Canadian folklore, because they were everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's also some stories of other were-creatures and other cultures where there aren't wolves. So this is not an uncommon, like, person becomes animal thing. Person shapeshifts into, yeah. Yeah. So in South America, we have the Lobizon, um, or the Luison. Uh, so that's, the, like I said, the South American werewolf. And the, the myth of the Luzon mainly shows up in Argentina, Brazil, Paraguay, and Uruguay. Okay. So it stems from the Portuguese. So actually, they brought it over from Portugal. Oh, that would make sense. They probably kind of like essentially exported werewolf myths, but then they kind of morphed they to match. They like a, a fun South American twist. Yeah. <laughs> it's like creme caramel turning into flan. Like, give it a little American <laughs> zest. Uh, so it stems from the Portuguese belief that the seventh son of a family of all boys would turn into a Luzon on the night of a full moon, especially if it fell on a Friday. Again, Friday coming up. I don't know why. So the origin of the Luzon legend is uh, in Guarani mythology. Uh, the Guarani are the indigenous people of Paraguay, whose mythology stated that there were seven monsters. Of the seven monsters, the last one, known as Luzon, had a horrendous appearance, but had no apparent resemblance with a wolf. So that's when the Portuguese kind of comes in, with okay. the, the werewolf. 
Um, oh, so, so was this an, exi- an existing monster and they just kind of merged them yeah, almost? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it came from a, a myth uh, in Argentina. Or, no, a, how would you say someone from Paraguay? Paraguayan? Sure. Go with that. Yeah. So it had its, its basis in Paraguay. And then the Portuguese came in and, like, got their werewolf stank all over it. <laughs> the European werewolf stank. So this la- the, the seventh monster in this myth became the god of death. And when Europeans colonized South America, the Weasons association with death began to wane over time, and it eventually mixed with the European werewolf legends and became the Lobizon, cool. which leads us to the Nagual from Mexico. So werewolves in Mexico are known as Nahual or Nagual. Uh, so even though Mexico was a Spanish colony for 300 years, the myth did not commingle with the European legend of the werewolf. So huh. this is clean. Nice. The belief in Mexican werewolfism varies from region to region. Some Mesoamerican um, uh, Indians believe that the Nahual is a guardian spirit that resides in an animal, such as a deer, jaguar, eagle, bobcat, mountain lion, so on. In other regions, uh, there's a more ominous version of the Nahual. Um, it is believed that powerful men can transform themselves into an animal to cause harm. A relationship exists between the latter belief and the word Nahual, which originated from the word Nahuali, meaning disguise. The name pertains to the sorcery by which magicians change into their uh, forms of an animal. So it's a little bit like a Native American skinwalker, mm-hmm. which I'm not going to talk about more now because I did not research that a lot and I don't want to get in trouble again. <laughs> I promise I will talk about skinwalkers later because the Native Americans have some dope ass myths. Yeah, those are some pretty cool. That's some pretty cool shit. <clears throat> but speaking of uh, the Native Americans, in the United States, we have were owls. What? In Muscogee legend, stignies or stikinis take the form of animals. Although they might take the shape of any sort of wild predator, they strongly favor owls. Love In fact, stigini means screech owl. By day, they look like ordinary humans, but by night, however, they vomit up their souls along with their internal organs and become very on brand for an owl. And become monsters who like to feed on human hearts. Cool. Hearing the cry of the stigini is an omen of approaching death. In some stories, mentioning these creatures by name puts one at risk of becoming one, which I think is also a concept in the Skinwalker legend. So you're really kind of just going for it, huh? God, I'm, yeah, I'm doing it. Uh, So therefore, stories are only told by certain medicine men and women and this idiot. Uh, In other communities, however, they are more of a boogeyman figure casually discussed to frighten children. Yes, you do. Yeah. Gotta keep kids scared. It's the only way to keep them alive. Also related might be the also related might uh, be a Choctaw evil spirit who often takes the form of an owl. It can read people's minds and apparently enjoys creeping people out by reciting their thoughts back to them, which would definitely be something a sentient owl could do. not a sentient owl, but like a talking a, owl. A talking owl could do. I was gonna say sounds like a cool dude. Uh, in Africa, they have were hyenas. Ooh. Uh, they are common in the folklore of North Africa, the Horn of Africa, and the Middle East. In addition to being humans who can assume the form of a hyena, some legends tell of hyenas who are able to take on a human form, which I would argue is the same thing. Is it, though? I guess. Uh, in the region around Lake Chad, it is believed that whole villages might be populated by hyenas. In Ethiopia, it is traditionally believed that every blacksmith, which is a hereditary occupation, is actually a Buddha, a wizard with the power to change into a hyena, in which form they rob graves at midnight. 
It should go without saying that they are viewed with suspicion by most of their neighbors. As you would be. Many Ethiopian Christians believe that Ethiopian Jews are Buddha and accuse them of digging up and eating the corpses of Christians. Oh, cool. So there is also a racist element. Of course. Or an anti-Semitic element to it. There's always, yeah, sure. We always get there. And then finally, in Brazil, they have were dolphins. What? Oh, what? In Brazilian folklore, they have the legend of the Encantado, or the Enchanted One. These are dolphin shapeshifters similar in some respects to fairies. They are thought to be dolphins with the ability to take on human form and not the other way around. Specifically, most of these legends involve the boto, or freshwater dolphin, of the Amazon River. Occasionally, the stories involve snakes rather than dolphins, which is worse. Only if you don't think snakes are cool. I should have done that Japanese legend where the lady turns into a snake. The one that Harry Potter stole. Not stole. Referenced. Stole. Keep that. Do it for many. Yeah. Um, Encantados come from an underwater fairyland called the Encante. They are excellent singers and musicians who love parties and often give uh, into romantic liaisons with mortals. They only rarely take on a human form, generally at night. Only when they're looking for someone to fuck. Yep. In addition to shapeshifting, Encantados have other magical powers. They are able to control storms and exert a form of mind control over humans. Goddamn. Sometimes turn mortals into Encantados like themselves. These are basically just cool-ass mermaids. I was going to say, these are very OP were-dolphins. <laughs> Encantados are dangerous, and many people in the Amazon region are terrified of them. They can inflict disease, insanity, and death, and are said to be fond of abducting humans they fall in love with and taking them to live in Encante. I mean, it doesn't it's sound like, that bad. It's like the end of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. I don't remember that one. The the very hot French mermaid takes Sam Claflin down the waterhole to... I Oh, I never saw that one. Oh, wow. You really should. It's Sam Claflin at his absolute cutest. I mean, I do like him a lot. But... And again, I say very hot mermaid. <laughs> Johnny Depp's fine. I don't know. He's... Uh, Penelope Cruz is there, too. <laughs> and Ian McShane? Yeah. Ian McShane plays her dad, which is really weird. Interesting. Like, okay. I like Ian McShane just fine, but to believe that he could have fathered Penelope Cruz is Like the most beautiful woman alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not that Ian McShane is a bad-looking man, but he's very gruff. Well, it, yeah. It's not like believing Angelina Jolie came from John Voight. Oh, that's... I mean, there is that. Human jar of mayo, John <laughs> Anyway, that's that's werewolves. I don't know why we had to end that one on John Voight, but yeah. Their mom has, like, Angelina Jolie's mom has to be hot, right? Like, I would assume so. It wasn't just like a It's glitch. not like she takes after John Voight. No. Like, I, I don't see a she, resemblance. I don't think she talks to him anymore, probably because he's a piece of shit. I mean, yeah, he's gross. We should talk about a nice old man. Um, Ian McKellen. Oh, I do like Ian McKellen. He's I was sweet. also thinking about uh, Martin Sheen. Yeah. I love, I love Martin Sheen. He's great. I, I guess Peter Gallagher is not an old man now, but I've been thinking about him a lot lately. He was really hot in high spirits. Just all eyebrows and being a priest. Delicious. Anyways, uh, if you have your own regional werewolf story, we are on Instagram at Afternoonified, Twitter at Afternoonified, and we're not on Facebook anymore, so I don't know why I was gearing up to say that. Nah, fuck it. You can go to getafternoonified.com. Um, where you can email us. There's also old episodes. You can donate if you feel so inclined, or you can buy some merch. Um, our merch is very cute. It is. And uh, remember to rate, subscribe, like, review all of all of the stuff. Do all the things. All it helps. The buttons, all the buttons you can click on <laughs> iTunes. 
Please do that. And uh, yeah, that's all I have. Don't right. become a werewolf. No, it doesn't sound super fun. Okay, bye. Bye. We love you. I'm going to need you all to roll plus charm to do the ad. That's a five. I got a ten. Eight. All right, Travis. Buddy can manage to get out the name of the show, but not much else. Monster Pod. Sadie, Jimmy's going to be able to get out the premise, but you didn't roll high enough for any spoilers. Monster Pod is a real play Monster of the Week podcast where four government-employed idiots try to save the world. Sarah, Thomason rolled high enough to finish the ad. Releases every other Friday here on Sobelo Media. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to sobelomedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.